Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... For most people, happiness and joy is the result of what's happening on the outside. It's what's happening in the outside world. So if my outside world is going good, then my inside is okay. But if my outside world is going horrible, then my inside is all messed up. King Solomon is teaching us that the peace we all desperately want comes from God. And it's found daily living in his presence. Is happiness circumstantial, or can we be happy no matter what's happening in life? Most people would say that when things are going well, they're happy. But is there any hope for peace in the midst of difficulty? And is it possible to experience joy when things aren't going the way that we planned? In today's study, Pastor Jim makes the distinction between the happiness that we find in favorable circumstances and the joy God brings when we find peace from the inside out in the presence of the Lord. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part two of his message entitled, When Will I Be Happy? If this is all there is, it doesn't really matter because we're all just going to die soon and we'll soon be forgotten. You know, like in your house, some of us have, have, uh, (laughs) we have people's pictures hanging on the wall and the friends come over and they go, who is that? And you go, that's my great, great grandfather. And they're like, really awesome. What's his name? You're like, I don't have a clue. <laughs> Where'd they live? Europe, <laughs> right? You know, South America, right? You don't, we don't even know really anything about them. And that's probably why Ancestry.com exists. Presidential election, if you're watching the news, it's already starting to heat up. Young people, you're going to start hearing some names about, we need to be more like this guy and that guy. One of them you'll hear about is Ronald Reagan, and you'll be like, yes, I know, he has an airport. The other side of the coin will say, you know, we have to be more like FDR. And you'll be like, I've been on his road, man. They got a lot of potholes, always traffic. We need to do something with that. Famous people aren't even remembered. One of the things I like to do is I like to get in my car and... um, just go through the stations and listen to the music that's on because the music tells you a lot about a culture. As best I can tell, most radio stations that are popular today have about five songs they play. We Christians are far more sophisticated. We have 10 on our stations. And, uh, you know, it's you just go and it's, you know, there's Bruno Mars' song. It's on eight stations, right? And, and then you flip to another one and it's Maroon 5, those of us who are younger, we're like, oh, Maroon 5, that's cool. Those of us who are older, we're like, who would ever name their group Maroon 5? Because we used to watch Bugs Bunny. And he'd be like, what a Maroon. Like, I would never, never name my group Maroon 5. What a Maroon 5. Every time I hear that, I think of that. Another one that's always on the radio is uh, Taylor Swift's song, Style. Now she's changed her style. She's not country anymore. I guess she's pop now. And and uh, if you want to have a song written about you, just go out with Taylor Swift, and she'll, she'll write a song about you. And uh, she sings this in style. She says, uh, we'll never go out of style. Yeah, you will. 
Statistically speaking, in 20 years, Taylor Swift will be playing at the Stone Pony down in Asbury Park. <laughs> and you young people will be going there to watch her. I'm not making fun of you because I'll be on a bus with a bunch of old people going up to Mohegan Sun to watch Bono reviews, okay? <laughs> because all the Elvis guys are gone. <laughs> when I'm feeling really wild, I'll go to Branson, Missouri. Once again, we turn to that great, great theologian about death, Woody Allen. Woody Allen says this. If you're saying, uh, Pastor Jim, he's not a theologian. I know, but he thinks through death in such an incredible way that he really tells the story of what it's like to live without God. He says this. I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I just want to achieve it by not dying. <laughs> I don't care what I do to live forever. I just want to live forever. Death looms over every heart. Could be one of the reasons why we struggle to be happy. We all know the clock's ticking. We all know it's getting late. It's rather scary. Some people say that death is part of life. I always say that's, that's really easy to say when no one close to you has just died. Because it certainly doesn't seem like it's part of life when it's someone close to you. Thinking about our own death is, is very uncomfortable, isn't it? It's a topic that we love to avoid. You know, we, we say around here, you know, some of us, we, we buy life insurance in case we die. What? <laughs> it's not in case. You're going to die. It's not like, do I need it? Do I, you know, it, based on some circumstances. Now, we should remember that, that death is the way that that God brings his children home. Death is also a way that, that God uses to get us to consider eternity. You know, I always say when I speak at a funeral, the people in the first two or three rows, they're so upset, and they should be appropriately so, they don't listen to a word the preacher says. But from the third or fourth row back, everybody is listening very intently because they're thinking about death. Now, weddings are the exact opposite. The people in the front are the only ones listening. Everybody else is like, shut up, preacher boy, we got a party. Okay, so I understand that. But death is an unusual thing. All right, well, verse 18, it gets better, right? No, it gets worse, sorry. Uh, then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun. Toil is a common word that uh, the Bible writer or Solomon's going to use. God's less impressed with who wrote it, rather that he, he inspired it. If you're wondering, you don't even know who wrote it. He says, then I hated all my labor which I had toiled under the sun. It's, it's, toiled is a word that means hard, continuous work. Do you ever feel like getting out of bed is toiling? Getting in your car, commuting to work? Awful. Just absolutely awful. He said, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. So he says, I am working so hard, accumulating all this stuff, and I'm going to leave it to somebody else. You know that, right? Where there's a will, there's a relative. You all know that, right? <laughs> somebody else is going to come along and take it. Verse 19, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. You're like, I know. Yet he will rule over, or some versions say, be master of all my labor in which I toiled and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. 
They're going to get everything I worked so hard for, he says. Verse 20, therefore I turned my heart and despaired of all the labor which I had toiled under the sun. Remember, he was a huge builder. He's out looking out over everything he's built. The kingdom of God's people has never been bigger. And he's like, what a waste of time. Verse 21, for there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This is also vanity and a great evil. He's talking about himself, and he says, I'm going to leave it to one of my kids. And Bible students, you know that his son Rehoboam took over, and there was 12 tribes, let's call it 12 districts for our light, easy to think, and he lost 10 of them. I'm not great at math, but that's not good. <laughs> There's 10 out of 12, that's, that's not good. Verse 22, for what has man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? What do you get at it? You were supposed to go nothing. We're supposed to be like nothing. Verse 23, for all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. Even in the night, his heart takes no rest. This also is Vanity. Well, once again, happy Mother's Day. So here we have King Solomon, a rich, successful visionary, very skilled at international trade, building a world superpower, and he's looked ahead. He's, he's a visionary. He's able to look down the line, and he says, I'm just going to leave it to someone else. And I'm not even so sure everything that I've worked so hard is even going to last one generation. He realizes he can't control it. Some of us work so hard to control the world, and the real outcome of it is we end up being so consumed with worry that we can't even sleep at night. Tossing and turning of things that we cannot control at all. King Solomon says, why in the world am I working so hard for something here on earth because I honestly can't even tell you if my kids are going to invest it or my kids are going to waste it. Now, I would never say this in the first service, so don't tell them I said it, okay? But this is a much more mature crowd, right? Maybe not. King Solomon, in our age, and this comes from the fact that I do believe that marijuana will be legal fairly soon, and King Solomon's saying, is my kid going to do good or buy good pot? <laughs> is he going to help people and contribute to the world? Or is he going to go out and party? Now, some of you parents right now are saying, don't give my kids any ideas, Pastor Jim. <laughs> don't worry, right now they're going, shut up, Pastor Jim, move on to the next point. They're not going to leave me a dime. <laughs> so right now we'd like to have the ushers come forward for the inheritance offering. <laughs> because we'll put it to good work for you. Solomon has moved from frustration with life to despair. Listen to what the French philosopher Voltaire said. He said, I hate life, and yet I am afraid to die. He was a deist. He's one of those people who thought, you know, God put us here, kind of this cruel trick, dropped us here, and then that was it. He was done with us. So Voltaire says, I hate life and yet I'm afraid to die. I can't stand this place. I want to get out of this place, but I'm afraid to get out of this place that I can't stand. Death reminds us that as hard as we may try, we cannot control the world. And we have to admit that's a helpless feeling. 
Herman Melville said this. He wrote Moby Dick, if if that name sounds familiar, back in the 1850s. Ecclesiastes is the truest of all books. Why would he say that? Well, because it tells us about earth's inevitable end. All right, to something a little bit more positive. You're like, anything is more positive than where we've been so far. Number three, heaven's best way to happiness. But this is heaven's best way to happiness on earth. Verse 24 that we're focusing on, or, or sometimes you say, where's the focus on? It's really sort of what, what sets me off in the theme of the, of the study. Verse 24, he says, nothing is better, or there is nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink, and his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. Interesting. So he says, listen, you can go out and you can work. You can work hard. You can come home. You can have dinner. You can have a, you know, a cool drink now on a hot day, and you can actually enjoy it. And you go, oh, this is from God, right? You can eat that ice cream and not feel so guilty on the first helping, right? And be like, oh, this is good. This is from God. Verse 25, for who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than I? I've learned all of this stuff and I've learned the proper way to enjoy all of the things of this world by looking at them as being from God. Changes the way I I go to the beach. Changes the way I go to the mountains. Changes everything. So he's telling us here that he's realized that no matter how life is going without God, We will all come to the end without any real hope unless we change our our thinking and start to live in the presence of God, happiness and joy will eventually elude us. Why is that? Why is that? And the answer, I think, is this, that for most people, happiness and joy is the result of what's happening on the outside. It's what's happening in the outside world. So if my outside world is going good, then my inside is okay. But if my outside world is going horrible, then my inside is all messed up. King Solomon is teaching us that the peace we all desperately want comes from God. And it's found daily living in his presence. I believe with all of my heart that God has programmed us all for a desire for accomplishment. We want to make a difference in this world. Some of us have given up. Don't give up. I think God has also programmed us for enjoyment. And now sometimes, if you're, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, man, I am jacked up excited you're here. I really am. I really am. I hope to get a chance to meet you after the service. If I don't, you know, come back next week or, you know, Contact me during the week. Love to get a chance to meet you and and talk to you because I wasn't always this way. I was definitely an under-the-sun dude for most of my my early adult years. And I know that, that sometimes what's going on on the outside can triumph over the ups and downs of life, but long term it can't. And so here the, the man who got everything says, uh, what we need to do is we need to start to look at the blessings of life as being from God. And the New Testament points us to a, to a greater reality, a true Savior. So Jesus Christ is the Savior, not my job, not my, my happy marriage, not my college degrees. All of those things are good. They're good. But God says, they're from me, and by understanding them from me is the, is the path to truly enjoying them. You see, for the Christian who is aware of that, 
Work is no longer just work. School is no longer just school. Life is no longer just life. Life becomes something instead of going through the motions. Life becomes something that is lived out in the presence of the Creator. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now you say, well, okay, Jim, I'm with you so far, but you have not solved the problem that life passes by very quickly. He's not attempting to do that. What he's attempting to do is tell us that our brief life here, if lived in the presence of God, can be happier and more joyful than you ever imagined. So here's the question. Will the committed follower of Jesus Christ be exempted from sorrow? The answer to that question is no. Ask any mom that's here. She'll tell you. The joy of having a child does not exempt you from sorrow, does it? When we were in the Song of Solomon on Wednesday nights a couple months ago, we noted that um, one of the saddest things, two very sad things in the world, there's many sad things, one of the saddest things is when people are unable to have children who want them. And another very sad thing is when people have children. Because nothing will break your heart like your children. They say that most parents are just as happy as their saddest kid. But here's the thing. Though on the outside, things may not be going well, on the inside, the follower of Jesus Christ knows they're never alone. Never alone. The presence of the Lord Jesus Christ changes the way we experience everything in life. You know, if life is always a drag for you, I'm not talking about grieving. I'm not talking about grieving. My sister died unexpectedly two months ago. I'm not going to tell my mom today not to be sad. That's stupid, heartless, and dumb. But, But if most of your life is spent where everything is just a drag, and you're a Christian, could it be that you've displaced Jesus? Could it be that you have taken him out of the central role that he wants to have and needs to have in your life for you to experience his joy? When I was a kid, you know, I have some fond memories. My family always accuses me of remembering nothing, but interestingly enough, I don't remember mostly the bad. I remember a lot of the good stuff. One of my favorite, favorite days was when my dad had bring your kid to work day. Now, I lived out on Long Island, not Long Island, Long Island. The Long Island people live closer to the city. We lived about an hour out from there. My dad worked in Manhattan. We used to call Long Island the promised land. And so I'd get on the train with him. We'd, we'd go in the morning and we'd rush to the train and get on the train and, you know, he'd buy me a newspaper you know, and I'd, I would just, you know, I'd sit on the train with him and, and we'd go in and uh, I'd get to sit at his desk. We had the same name, so it was cool because his name was on the desk. So I would be like, yeah, check me out. And I would be used to hearing him talk with his coworkers to my mom. So guy would walk in, I'd be like, 
you're a bad worker. <laughs> oh, you're good. And the other guys, they'd be like, I expected you to be more wild, right? And, um, and what would happen would be, and if you're young, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, uh, the, the donut truck would come by. Now, long time ago, there wasn't Dunkin' Donuts in every corner, right? Crispy what, right? None of that stuff, right? And donuts were a real treat. And so the donut truck would come around, uh, pushing around, and f- I don't know whether it was free or I was just stealing the stuff, man, but I was just, I was just so excited, filling my face like a chipmunk with donuts. I'm thinking like, I want to work like my dad does, man. And sometimes he would let me answer his phone because I had the same name. And I would say, this is my desk, Jim Kepney's desk, right? And, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that makes me really miss my dad. But you know, when you're a Christian, every day can be dad brings his kid to work day. Every day. No matter what you do. No matter what you do. If you do that, the mundane task of whatever you do during your day can become working for the king. Can be serving Jesus Christ And when that happens, life comes out of death somehow. Happiness comes out of hopelessness. You know why? Because the circumstances on the inside trumps the circumstances on the outside. Instead of like everybody else, that the outside determines the inside. For the follower of Jesus, the inside determines the outside. And someone who loves Jesus on fire for Jesus, we'll see life from a very, very different vantage point. Well, we looked at earth's best way to happiness, be wise, make good decisions. Secondly, we looked at earth's inevitable end, we die and we're forgotten. Thirdly, we looked at heaven's best way to happiness, enjoy your life as a gift from God. And number four, we go to heaven's inevitable end. Verse 26, for God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. Did you notice the addition there? He's been talking about his wisdom and knowledge, which he got from God anyway. But now he's saying that God gives you wisdom and knowledge and he gives you joy too. To a man who is good in his sight, but to the sinner. What is a sinner? A sinner is someone who misses the mark. It's literally, it means it misses the mark. So uh, those of you who go to the shooting range, it's a lot more of you than you think. I constantly hear those stories. I'm just like, just don't shoot me. Uh, okay? So it's like someone who shoots at the bullseye but just misses it. God's perfect standard is that we hit the bullseye every time. So to the man who is good in his sight, but to the sinner, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. To the man who is good in his sight, woman too. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This is also vanity and grasping for the wind. It will be vanity, useless for you, if you are the sinner instead of the person who is good in his sight. Now we have to do a little bit of uh, theological work here. 
Bear with me for a second. Uh, those of you who are students of the Bible, and many of you are becoming increasingly more students of the Bible, and nothing makes me happier other than the fact that you love Jesus and, and start to look and live more like him. But, but you'll notice in the Bible that the Word of God, it divides people into two kinds of people. You'll hear Jesus talk about sheeps and goats, right? The wheat and the tares. And here... The Old Testament here, dividing it into good and sinners. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing messages of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? Changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them that you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today. And we hope that you will make plans to join us again next time right here on this station for more practical Bible teaching from the book of Ecclesiastes with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.